Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show on Nothing But Net Channel on Dash Radio. We are on Satellite Radio, so check us out. Uh, it is just Sam today. You can find me at the Barn Chief. I'm doing a solo pod. Let me tell you, I'm not cut out for solo radio, I don't think. This is a tough maneuver. I mean, you have to talk and fill the space just yourself. You have to sound interesting and you can't bounce off with someone else. Uh, luckily, I don't have to do solo radio too long. My boy Subi is going to join us later. Uh, one half of the Titch, uh, the, the Titch show on the Barnburner Podcast Network. But check us out. We're at the Barnburner. Check out the articles at d-barnburner.com. Um, we're joining you tonight to talk a lot of things that happened in the NBA this week. We saw a lot of different things, both politically, uh, and we saw the uh, NBA playoff resume, which is exciting. Uh, I've also sent out a link to the show on Twitter. If you want to join the show, you can click the link and, and you can call in and join and we can talk about whatever. Uh, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So, so check it out and click if you want to join the show. You can find me again at The Barn Chief on Twitter. But it's good to be here. It's a beautiful Sunday evening in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to talk about a few developments here in uh, Grizzlies basketball. But first, you know, a somber moment. I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention the kind of three deaths that happened this week. Um, We saw uh, Chadwick Boseman, Lute Olsen, and Cliff Robinson, uh, all three pass away. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, of course, the actor most famous for his portrayal of Black Panther. Uh, And then he was in the Jackie Robinson movie, 42, great young actor, died of colon cancer. Uh, Cliff Robinson, the uh, NBA player, uh, most famously for his tenure with the Trailblazers. Uh, and then uh, mo- most uh, most likely the one of the more beloved vets in the league, at least based on the reaction from everyone uh, after his passing. And then Lute Olsen, the timeless Arizona coach who brought a national championship to Bearcat Nation uh, in 1997. Subi later is an Arizona fan. We'll get his thoughts on Lute Olsen. But um, really sad times and, uh, and just really sad to see those guys go. I think everyone, you know, has been like 2020 sucks. 2020 is the worst year ever. Like my take on 2020 is – it does suck. I mean, obviously, the pandemic, I think, has exacerbated everything. But people pass every year. I mean, we see this every year. Celebrities pass. Musicians pass. Um, you know, and, and, and athlete, athletes pass. It just famous people pass away every year. And I think this year is his a little bit worse because COVID's forcing us all in our homes. We're all going fucking insane. And so it makes us have to confront these things. It makes us have to, like, re- deal with them in real time. You know, we can't go to the bar or we can't go somewhere else to forget about the fact that that's happening. We can't escape reality. We have to address the fact that those people are dying. That, with the election year this year, too, a lot going on. Uh, so... Everyone with your 2020 tweets, I hear you. 2020 sucks, but let's just make the best of the second half of the year. Uh, power positive thinking, as Subi would say. He'll be on the show later again. Um, so with, with that being said, let's jump right into some basketball. Uh, we are, of course, the uh, Grizzlies podcast on the Barnburner Podcast Network. Uh, you can also hear us on Nothing But Net on Dash Radio. So we talk mostly Memphis sports and predominantly Memphis Grizzlies, but we also like to do a little bit of an NBA on everything. Um, so let's start out with uh, a tweet that kind of went around the, the interwebs and it was uh, by Beale, Beale Street Bears, who's the fan-sided Grizzlies website uh, blog. And they sent out a tweet, they included a Twitter poll that just enraged everyone in Memphis. I feel like everyone was just like Arthur fisting. They were angrily 
grabbing plates and smashing them in their kitchen. Uh, and it was uh, with respect to trading uh, our own Jaron Jackson Jr., of course, the rookie out of Michigan State. Um, and the, their tweet said, "Would you, if, if we were to trade Jaron, if the Grizzlies were to trade Jaron, uh, what would you want in return? The three options were uh, a first-round pick, uh, and another option was another young player. Uh, but it just it just freaked everyone out because everyone said that's the dumbest tweet ever. A lot of people were saying instant unfollow, and we saw just you know nothing nothing gets Memphis fans riled up uh, when they can t- collectively go after someone on Twitter. I feel like that's when everyone just goes ham and uh, and and really really just just goes ham on an individual. Uh, so we saw that happen, and really so here's the thing: Jaron Jackson Jr. sophomore. He has been hurt, you know, in a lot of his career. I mean, we saw him get hurt this year, torn meniscus. Uh, last year, he had a deep thigh bruise. He hasn't played a whole season yet. You kind of worry about that. He's long. Um, a lot of people compare him to the unicorn, Chris Porzingis, and I mean, that guy's injured all the time, all the time too. Uh, and so, I, I think a lot of people are a little worried about, including myself, a little bit worried about our boy Jaron standing on the court, and rightly so. You know, I mean, he hasn't been able to do it for a whole season, uh, and it's it's hard to stay on the court for an entire NBA season. You're talking about 82 games. A lot of wear and tear on the body. That's that's uh, that's we all know that. Um, but Jaron, he's a uh, he shoots thirty nine percent from three on like six attempts per game. Uh, he can get to the basket at will this year. It seemed like not great rebounder, but we know that um, he was our second leading scorer. He was second on the team player efficiency rating. Um, and by all accounts, he is going to be the number two to Jaws number one. And what's more important is Jaron doesn't seem to give a fuck about being the number two. That's like the best thing you can imagine is that you have a guy that's that good that doesn't want the team to be his own, that he's okay with being the number two, the one B to John Morant's one A, just based on their personalities. And he seems perfectly happy to do so. So it seems like they have a lot of good synergy. So when you get a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. in the draft, granted, we kind of wish we'd been able to get Luca, but we got Jaron at four and that was great. A lot of people, including myself, weren't happy about the pick, but you know he's really turned out. He's turned out to be a way better scorer than we thought he would be. When you get a guy like that on a team like the Grizzlies, who's not getting any free agents, and you have two young guys like John Jaron that work very well together, their games complement each other. Job attacking the rim, a great passer, can kick out to Jaron, who's the great shooter. Um, they play two very complementary positions. I see a lot of pick and roll in their future, a lot of pick and pop. Very exciting shit. We all know that. But here's the thing. We still don't want nice things. Memphis fans find a way, no matter what, find a way to try to figure out a ridiculous trade to trade away the things that we have. Uh, it's, I mean, it, it, I know that the tweet was out there. Look, we're in content probably to a lesser degree than the fan-sided people. I get it. You send a, you send a tweet out. You hope that people click on it. You hope that it gets retweeted. And I mean, and, and the more ridiculous the tweet or the more controversial the tweet, the better, because then people get involved and you got a bunch of interaction. I get that. You know, we're in the content business over here at the Barnburner. I don't know if you know about it, the high from barnburner.com. Uh, but, you know, it, it is a, it, an issue, I think, where you send a controversial tweet and you get interaction. People get mad. And in that way, they were successful. But here's my thing. I'm not trading Jaron Jackson Jr. for anyone in the league that isn't named Luka, Giannis, Donovan Spider-Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and then maybe Devin Booker if I'm feeling frisky. If I've had, you know, a few IPAs, which uh, cheers the Crosstown Brewery, their traffic's delicious. Uh, if I've had a, a few IPAs, you know, three or four IPAs, and maybe I'm willing to get a little frisky with, with Devin Booker, have a discussion about it. But really, I want to run this back and see where we are with John Jaron. I don't want to trade away Jaron 
uh, because he's just been a little injured. You know, we've seen him play most season, most of the season, and uh, he, he's played missed thirty games or so uh, in each season. So I, I'm not worried yet. You know, if it's consist uh, consistently continues, then I'll be a little more worried. But I mean, let's not get rid of our nice things, guys. Let's let's appreciate and love them for what we've got. Uh, so that was just a thing floating around in Grizz Nation this week, uh, which was very funny and a classic situation of Grizz Twitter. Uh, But before we get into more NBA stuff, I definitely want to talk about what happened Wednesday. I mean, uh, a historic event in the NBA, a historic night in sports in general. um, And it was the the kind of culmination of the the current uh, politics and social injustice merging with the way the NBA uh, does their business here on this big stage and the restart. And we saw the Milwaukee Bucks set to take the... um, take the court against the Orlando Magic in their last game. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, at the last minute, it seems, planned or decided ultimately to boycott the game, not play, which, of course, set off this huge whirlwind of uh, all the teams not playing that particular day, and the Lakers were set to play that night. So no one ended up playing. Uh, They're boycotting, particularly related to the Jacob Pierce uh, uh, shooting. He's actually still alive, clinging to life uh, up in Milwaukee. Of course, Milwaukee, close to home. A lot of these incidents have happened up there. So the Bucks just had a moment where they decided they didn't want to play basketball and that it wouldn't be the right thing to do. The whole point of why they came to the bubble was to shed life on all these things, uh, shed light on all these different issues. And so they didn't want to get out and play on the basketball court and play a playoff game and when all this was going on. And, and I commend them for it. I mean, that, that's a tough decision to make. Uh, some of the guys in the league seem to be mad that they just decided on a win. But I mean, ultimately, that these sorts of decisions are made like that. You know, they're emotional decisions. And if they didn't want to play basketball, I can't blame them. And I mean, I, I can't imagine what's been going through all their heads. Uh, it's a situation where they just didn't think it was the right time, and, and rightfully so. And, and I commend them also for shortly after, uh, you know, they got on the phone to the governor there in Milwaukee. They they talked to the district attorney. They made a point to actually get on the phone with the decision makers down there and try to affect some change. Uh, and a lot of people look they didn't have to explain to anybody what the action steps were and the goal of this boycott. A boycott doesn't have to have tangible goals. I mean, it's more effective when it does, but the whole point was to get everyone thinking about it. The whole point was to to raise awareness, get the attention on the issues again. Uh, I think we all kind of slid back into playoff basketball uh, and hadn't really talked about this sort of stuff in a long time. So it, it, in that sense, it, it worked. I mean, and, and look, they're human beings. Uh, they're affected just like anybody else. They're in the bubble. They're not around their friends and family. I think that, you know, it's sort of the the mental health issues are wearing in. You know, we saw Paul George talk about how it's affecting him and his, his own uh, core performance. Uh, and I think finally they, they just decided that they just had enough. And so they they wanted to remind everyone of why they're there. And, and so kudos to them. It's a historic moment. Uh, been a lot of good stuff written about it. A lot of people have talked way better than about it than me than I am right now. But I wanted to shout them out. Uh, and give kudos to them for using their voices and their platform. Uh, and again, like now the NBA is back. Um, some people are out there saying that they wished they had continued to protest, that if they had continued to protest, then it would have meant more, um, that if they had just decided to kill the season entirely, then it would have meant more, and that this partial protest or this like temporary protest actually discredited their opinion. And I just don't believe that for a second. I mean, would it have been more intense if they had just canceled the season? Sure. I mean, you could argue it would have made a, a more intense point. It would have dotted the I sharply. But I think, uh, you know, once the, the monetary issues came into play, you know, we saw uh, Michelle Roberts, the, the, uh, the head of the Players Association, come in and explain to the players what happens to the collective bargaining agreement if they just don't play at all. Um, a lot of these guys don't 
aren't set for life. You know, a lot of these guys haven't made that second big time contract. So they're guys that are just playing on those rookie deals or maybe they're 10 day guys. They don't have that nest egg of wealth built. They're just trying to provide for them and their families. Uh, I get it. They don't want to uh, throw that all away. Um, so there's the monetary considerations. They're human beings as well, but I want to commend them for the boy got a historic moment. And it was cool to watch that happen in real time, of course, via Shams and, and Woj, uh, as if they were there in the room, even though they're allegedly not down there. Uh, but shout out to the guys. Uh, it's one of the most progressive leagues in the country and one of the most exciting leagues to watch as well with all the personnel. So shout out to those guys. Um, so moving past, uh, I, uh, I also saw another tweet online. Another Grizzlies tweet, and man, I, I tell you what, like this week, I, I think here's what happens. The Grizzlies are out of the playoffs, right? So we didn't get the eight seed. Now everyone's trying to figure out what they can do to improve our roster. It's what every NBA fan base does. It's what every closet GM or Twitter GM does is try to concoct NBA trades. Uh, they try to figure out ways to get good guys on our roster and then get rid of the bad guys and somehow do all of that while retaining all of our good guys and then also accumulating a bunch of first-round picks, which I know what you're thinking. That sounds impossible, and by God, it, it is. But uh, Grizzlies fans are going to try to figure out a way to do that. Um, one of the uh, proposed trades I saw recently was to uh, take on the contract of one Tobias Harris uh, from the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, the 76ers, tough, tough beat for them. I mean, they they had a, uh, an injury to Ben Simmons. They're uh, – First or second best player, depending on how you see about it. They fired Brett Brown, their coach, just an abysmal playoff performance by them, got swept by the Celtics. Uh, they really don't have any direction. They've got Al Horford on a crazy deal. They got Tobias Harris on a crazy deal. And none of those guys really fit with their roster as they play. Uh, so they are in a bad spot. And they're going to be looking to unload a lot of those guys, I think. If they can get rid of Al Horford or Tobias Harris, they're going to do it so they can open up space to bring in someone around Embiid and Simmons, which they've stated they still want to try to win with. So... They're kind of willing enough to, to, to probably shed out some things to get rid of those contracts. So a few people proposed, and I don't know why they want to put this evil on us, Rookie Bobby. They want to trade uh, Gorgie Dang, like Grayson Allen. So basically some contracts that would equate Tobias Harris's asinine contract, which I think he's due like 40-something million in two or three years, which is just fucking preposterous. Uh, I love Tobias Harris. I mean, um, but not that much. And I don't think anyone thinks that's a reasonable deal. It's now become like the albatross of the NBA. It is now the contract that everyone points to and does the the Nelson from Simpsons. Because <laughs> it is. It's terrible. And you don't want it on your team. Uh, but a lot of people propose like, look, Grizzlies take on that contract. Um, they get maybe a second round pick and then uh, trade off some guys that we don't really play that much to equate the salaries. And then we got Tobias Harris, who is a who's never been an all star, but is a borderline all star, you know, a 19, 19 and seven guy uh, typically shoots good from three, had a terrible showing in the playoffs this year. Um, but but is a guy that theoretically would fit in with John Jaron. And then everyone's like, oh, don't worry, Grizzlies fans. The second that you need to extend John Jaron from their rookie deals, Tobias Harris contract rolls off your book. So no harm, no foul. You know, you got Tobias Harris. Great deal for you. Right. And to that, I say a resounding hell no, man. Like, I do not want Tobias Harris on this team. I do not think he would be a positive guy for these guys. I don't think he wants to be traded to the Grizzlies. I don't think really anybody does. Um, but I really don't think he would be a positive influence. I think he would begrudgingly be here for the rest of his deal. Uh, and I just don't think it would be good for John Jaron. Also, I think we can do a lot more with that money. I don't think we need to fill it up with Tobias Harris's contract just because we could afford him and a lot of teams can't doesn't mean we need to do it. If I were to do some crazy asinine shit like that, then I would um, definitely require like two or three first round picks in the Sixers. Like there's no way I'm taking on Toby's contract unless I'm getting 
an insane amount of draft capital back. Uh, and I'm talking like they better make it rain on us for sure with draft picks uh, if that were a possibility. Like I wish they were like literal tangible pieces of paper like like uh, like uh, you could legitimately like make it rain draft picks. If that were the case, then the Thunder would do, be, be doing really well right now. Uh, probably James Harden would probably want to be hanging out with them again. But anyway, uh, that's another ridiculous, uh, ridiculous NBA trade proposed that supposedly is supposed to benefit uh, the Grizzlies. Uh, another thing I want to talk about that's been kind of bothering me uh, as I text Sub and let him know uh, to join the show. Drop coverage. It's an NBA defense, okay? And what it is, is the, I mean, you know it, you've watched a lot of NBA basketball if you're listening to this show. It is a situation where the big man, the five man, uh, drops back into the paint uh, and essentially protects the rim and does not uh, move out to help on screen and rolls or hedge uh, or really guard anyone on the perimeter at all. He just lingers back and makes sure no one gets to the rim. The, the notion there is that you are giving up the soft space between the rim and the three-point line, and you're allowing uh, guys to take 17-footers, and that's what you want guys to take, right? Like, we're on a money ball right now. We want guys to take 17, 18-footers. It's the least efficient shot in basketball, blah, blah, blah. We've heard that a million fucking times. The problem with drop coverage is we've seen all these guys uh, – We've seen all these all these players. What's up, Sue? How you doing, Sam? Talking about drop coverage right now. The NBA defense is really pissing me off. Um, so yeah, so you have this big man playing in the paint. He's preventing guys from getting to the rim. Yet theoretically, your perimeter players are out there guarding and preventing threes. Uh, but what's happening is, and it's happening time and time again, and no coach seems to be able to figure it out, is that guys are coming right around the screen and walking right into a three. Uh, like guys like Kimball Walker, guys like Donovan Mitchell, all the great guards we have in our league that are incredible three point shooters. And they're, everyone's just getting toasted from three, and all the coaches are throwing their hands up and saying, "Well, I thought we were going to force them into long twos." And just pisses me off. Uh, but th- this is this has just been my my uh, my rant about drop coverage. Uh, welcome to the show, Sub. Uh, this is uh, Subi from Theater and College Hoops. He, he agreed to jump on, so I didn't have to solo talk for like fifty minutes uh, to talk about the NBA playoffs. Sub, how are you, man? Doing well? I'm I'm doing well. Yeah, nice little lazy Sunday here catching the Nuggets Jazz game, which has actually turned into quite a competitive ball game. You know, I don't really understand the Denver Nuggets. We, we can get into them uh, a little bit, but that's just a, a, the first. I mean, throughout these games, I've just been perplexed by them, uh, but doing very well. Thank you for having me on. It's quite a distinct honor. I will try and live up to the standard, you know, that Rich, Chief, yourself, uh, you know, Zach and, and Mason have set. Well, I appreciate that, uh, you know, and uh, likewise, too, we love what you guys do over there, Titch, and, and uh, you're one of the most entertaining college basketball shows in podcasting, uh, so we hope that more people would, would tune in and check you guys out. But again, we are both shows are on Dash Radio. Uh, we're on the uh, Nothing But Net channel at different times. You can check both of our shows out, and we are at the Barn Burner. Um, you might say the Denver game is a Barn Burner, by the way. You missed an opportunity there for branding. Uh, we're just I, trying to get better around here. Uh, you know, I was thinking about doing it. I was thinking about laying that down, but I didn't know if that was too corny. Uh, so, you know what? I'm glad you picked up the slack there. You steer into it. Yeah, we just steer into it around here. Um, well, let's so let's start with your let's start with the series you're particularly interested in. You are uh, originally from the Northeast. You're from the Boston area. Um, you are a Celtics fan and have been for a long time. Uh, your Celtics take on the Toronto Raptors in the second round of the, the East semis. Uh, so we had game one today and um, boy. 
was not a fun game to watch for a casual NBA fan like myself that just wanted to see a good game. But I feel like it was fun for you. Tell me a little bit about what you thought of that matchup from the get-go. Oh, it was great. I mean, t- today it was a, a fantastic win for the Celtics. I was just waiting for a letdown. Shark will tell you who's uh, you know one of my co-hosts on theater in college hoops. He gets on me because I sometimes call out the Celtics for giving up monumental gargantuan runs. Like, not just your... 8-0 runs. I'm talking like 14-16-0 runs. And so I was waiting for that to happen with the Celtics. Luckily, it never did. They were on on the Raptors' neck the entire game, uh, and it, it was a you know wire to wire finish. I was I was very pleased with it, but uh, it's just one game, and I think this team has has realized that. So after they swept the Sixers, uh, Brad Stevens basically said, well, we can still improve with defense and it's just one series. Uh, and I, if we hearken back to last year, they dominated the Bucks, the perennial favorite out of the East. They dominated the Bucks in game one on the road. Now here in a neutral environment, they dominated the Raptors defending champions. We remember what happened in that Bucks series. They just, they, they died. Essentially the Bucks completely uh, eviscerated them. So I don't necessarily think that Toronto is going to reel off four straight wins, but this is going to be a huge challenge. They have a championship pedigree. Of course, uh, I don't expect Pascal Siakam to play as poorly as he did today. I expect Fred Van Vliet to be better as well. Uh, but I'll tell you what, man, the, the, the two J's are, have been incredibly impressive. Uh, and and just very steady. Is that what you guys call them, the two J's, or is that just a Subi special? I think some some corners of Celtics Twitter call them the two J's. Uh, okay. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a, a nationwide type of nickname for this duo. But I mean, I'll coin it then. I mean, if, yeah. if you want to give me credit for it, I'll take it. I like it. Uh, and, and you can only hear those kind of things from the fans that are like following all those types of people that are in the that are in the deep corners of Twitter that are on Reddit. Those are the kind of things you see. Um, dude, th- to have those two wings, you guys, I mean, we talk about it all the time in our, our Memphis Grizzlies Twitter threads. is like, man, to have the Celtics wings, like those guys are great kids. I mean, they fit the culture. They're incredible players as well. I mean, that, and, and you just look at it like they're 22 and 23 years old. I mean, the sky's the limit at that point. When you've got two great defending, versatile, switchable wings, you can just kind of build around them and just like plug and play, you know, insert Tice, insert big man, insert point guard, you know, whichever point guard wants to come play with those guys. And Kimba seems to be a better fit than Kyrie, which kind of went without saying, I think. Um, so Celtics, though, not a big rotation. You guys play like six, seven, eight guys tops. Big Bob William minutes from you today. Uh, I mean, are you, do you is that a concern? Like, do you think, Game three, game four, these guys get tired. They are young, so you have that going for you. But Kimba has some, I think, some knee issues that maybe seem to flare up today. Yeah, that that actually did concern me. And so I think we're going to need some serious minutes from Brad Wanamaker. He's going to be a, a, a linchpin in that second unit. You mentioned Robert Williams, the Time Lord. Uh, that's a more well-known nickname, by the way. Time Lord Williams. I didn't know about that until today. Uh, because he just missed every practice. <laughs> like, I mean, his his rookie year, man, it, it was a bit concerning because you you put all this investment into your you know your your big time draft pick, and he's just missing meetings. He's missing the team plane. Uh, he's since clearly matured, and I think Danny Ainge handled it pretty well. I think he was the one that dubbed him Time Lord. He could have, I mean, behind closed doors, he was probably like, "Bob, man, come, come on, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. come on, you got to be better than this." But publicly, he didn't chide him or or, or call him out too bad. But um, I mean, it, it's interesting because uh, 
you know, the, the, the bigs that they have, you think about Daniel Tice and then Cantor didn't get any run. So it's all about matchups. Cantor was, was critical in the Sixer series. I don't think he, he saw much of the court at all today. So I trust Brad in that respect. Um, I also think it's going to be interesting though. If you go a little deeper, Romeo Langford, um, and semi Ojale, those guys will sometimes get run, uh, but then sometimes they'll just only come in for garbage minutes. So to your point about depth, uh, if if and when those guys get on the floor, they need to have a positive impact. I'm not looking for scoring. I just need Semi to potentially like thwart Pascal. Uh, I need I need Romeo to just be active on the offensive end. Uh, so I, I, to your point about depth, it is a little concerning, especially because, like I said, the Raptors are a championship-level team. Clearly, they're the defending champs, and Nick Nurse is one coach of the year. They've been down. They faced adversity. You can't you, you can't underestimate that at all. And I think the Raptors should be getting and sh- it should be a healthy fear that that the Celtics uh, should be operating with. Yeah, um, I, I will say that uh, kind of have a bone to pick with you guys uh, because the uh, the bubble games uh, we, we the Grizzlies that limped into the the latter stage of the bubble games the Celtics and the the Bucks had had sealed their playoff positioning. Uh, the Grizzlies, you know, notably lost two or three of their top seven guys, uh, even though no one likes to talk about that. And we're just trying to get an eight seed. You know, we're just trying to limp into an eight seed, get some run, uh, and then you know, kind of develop jaw further on the big stage. And it didn't go the way that any of us wanted to, but but there we found ourselves. So we thought, oh, well, the Celtics and the Bucks, those are those are games where you know we'll probably see. Um, the guys sit a lot of their guys, you know, we'll see Wanamaker for like 36 minutes. And, you know, I'm not saying that we'd, we'd win, but it would be a lot more likely if we weren't playing, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, and not only did Brad Stevens not rest his guys, but he played it as if it were game seven of the finals. Uh, he brought, uh, notably, he brought Tatum back in with three minutes left of the game uh, in a blowout. He brought Tatum back in. And at that point I was like, fuck the Celtics. Uh, I was, I'm out on you guys this year. I'm sorry, but like you did nothing to help us out. And then counteract that with the Bucks, who the next game just handed us a nice, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of Frank Mason minutes. Uh, and it was fantastic. But, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was a little heated at Brad there. I was like, this seems kind of unnecessary, man. Like, uh, I don't, you know, like Tatum almost got hurt. You know, he came down on uh, one of our, on I think Kyle Anderson's shoe and almost rolled his ankle. Like, I mean, you guys have, this has happened to you before. Tony Allen got hurt on like a, you know, before the playoffs and a, on a, like a dead ball situation. I just thought, uh, you know, I needed you to put, uh, put a call in to Brad or have a shark put one in and, and just let him know that, you know, I'm not happy. Sharks, Sharks, definitely your best bet. He's got Celtics ties. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll apologize for that. Um, you know, because I do like the Grizzlies. I like you guys. They're a fun. They're a fun team. But let me ask you this: Was it even in inconsequential? Like, wasn't the game just inconsequential? Weren't you locked in to that play-in game regardless? So if 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 we had won that game, we would have been the eight seed, and we would and Portland would have had to beat us twice. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Okay. So it was, actually, it oh, was yeah, a hugely Portland. consequential game. Yes. Okay. And, and yeah, and, and and at that point, we didn't know what was going to happen with Portland. Like Portland could have lost their last two games, and then we would have. You know, so we, it, it would have pretty much locked us into the eight seed. Uh, so it was, it was consequential. But you know, we uh, we took it in stride. Uh, we got thing got a little mad in the group text, and uh, we we love your guys. We love the guys, but you know, Brad, come on, man, like throw well, us a bone. I was listening to I forget it was the last episode uh, of Backdoor Cut, or maybe two episodes ago. And Mason was just not thrilled. He He's was mad. like, yo, f- fuck the Celtics, fuck yeah. Brad Stevens, and fuck Jason Tatum. And I think uh, the, the 
the player that he landed on was Jonas Valanciunas, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you're right. I was I was ready to text you guys and be like, look, I know he probably shouldn't be in this game in a blowout, but come get your boy. Come, I, I can't I can't risk this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in in addition to that, I can see why you would be upset with the Celtics because of the draft uh, pick as well. Uh, so you're you're now free of that. That's that's over season's over but you know i i appreciate your grace and uh you even having me on despite all of this but yeah i will try and put in a good word and hopefully bad karma doesn't doesn't come to bite us yeah i, mean, I wouldn't wish it on you but I, I will say that you know that was a kind of a tough hang uh from, a, from what i thought was a respectable organization but you know you, you wanted that draft pick you wanted the the pick to be as good as possible and I, I get that too so like there was some sort of pecuniary interest there but really what's the difference in fucking Precious Achua or like, you know, Robert Nesmith from or Aaron Nesmith from Vanderbilt or whoever's going to be in the middle of this first round. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but anyway, moving past that. So the, the rest of the East, how, how do you feel about the Bucks uh, and the Heat series coming up? We saw the Bucks um, pretty much demolish the, the magic after that that first game stinker, which has happened in all over the place in years of NBA playoffs. And everyone overreacts and acts like the sky is falling, I guess, for good radio and, and television. But, you know, whatever. Like, I never buy into that first game. Uh, and then we saw the Heat sweep the Pacers, of course, with kind of a hobble depot. Um, they had, uh, uh, you know, certain other players were injured, too. Um, so they didn't have necessarily their full squad. Uh, but I'm a big Heat guy. I love Jimmy Butler. I've loved Jimmy Butler since Chicago. Um, so I'm, I'm rooting for them personally. What do you feel about that series? Yeah. So to your point about the overreaction after game one we saw it also with the blazers lakers series and i'm 100 aligned with you there's no point in getting all worked up I, and if i go a little bit further before i get to my thoughts on bucks heat i'm completely out on conference alignment as it pertains to the playoffs one through eight give me the 16 best teams man because after those game ones it felt like the blazers and magic lost those games by a billion points each like, it wasn't even competitive uh, there were there were some moments even in that closeout game against the Magic. Magic made a run, but or, like I don't need to see a thirty three and forty team get absolutely blasted by the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Giannis is going to win MVP. But now, as it pertains to the Heat Bucks series, I actually don't understand why everyone is going with with the Heat here. Uh, they're a really good team. They're hot right now. They've they just swept the Pacers, like you had mentioned. But I think the Bucks really turned, flipped a switch, and their defense is incredible. I think they have the best defense in the league. They have the best defender in the league, uh, and then uh, I, I just think that their supporting cast is is really coming around. Now, again, Heat are much better than the Magic, but the crucial, crucial player, and it was the same as last year, and it's probably going to be the same moving forward for the Bucks is Chris Middleton. He needs to play like an all-star. You know what you're going to get from Giannis. You know what you're going to get from like Brooke Lopez. They're pretty consistent. Chris Middleton is supposed to be a like 20 and seven kind of guy. And he's kind of fallen short a little bit. He's just, he's a little inconsistent. So that scares me a bit. I definitely don't think that they're going to win this series in five, but I, I, I mean, I, I think we're not giving the bucks enough respect especially how they kind of flamed out last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, and so I, I think we need to put a little bit more respect on the Bucks' names, and I think they'll actually win this series in six. 
Yeah, I mean the 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 Bucks are they go as Chris Middleton goes, like you like you mentioned. Uh, Eric Bledsoe too is kind of a weird X factor for them, like whether he's going to hit a shot or turn the ball over seven times. Like he could really do either. He's one of those uh, wishy washy type players. But Middleton, man, like he would. Fr- I, I'm glad I'm not a Bucks fan because he would frustrate the hell out of me. And the Bucks too are one of those teams that play like dedicated drop coverage. It's like Bud's thing. He like invented it. And so Taylor Jenkins, who's Bucks protege, who's our coach, plays it too. He doesn't have quite the personnel to do it. Uh, but the theory is you like implement all that shit and then theoretically you get the team personnel to do it later. Uh, and I, it'll tell you like sometimes Bud can play it to a fault. And that's when you get confused Bud face like on Twitter where he's like getting beat and he can't figure out why. And like suddenly a million people post uh, his face. Also, shout out to Bud's skinny jeans. Uh, he's out. He's out there looking like an H and M model, uh, but like mutton muffin top. Uh, so it's like, that, you know, I, some guys just aren't aren't ready for it. Man. <laughs> like, I saw a tweet. It was after Giannis headbutted. Who the, who did he headbutt? Oh, Mo Wagner. And Bud's gosh, coming out. I yeah, I know. It's it's even in the bubble. Oh my god! Insane. Everyone's yeah. everyone's always saying like, why even invite the Suns if they go eight and zero? Like, I I get that. I still think that's like they should have been invited. You know, they they just needed a couple other things to break. Focus your attention on the Wizards. Why the hell were they invited? Right. <laughs> like, like, they had I mean, to have I guess one East team, so that way it wasn't obvious they were trying to get uh, they were trying to get Zion in. Like, was Beal even playing? No, no. Good no, God. He out. And so was uh, so was there uh, the three point specialist? Uh, what's his name? That the, the Bertans. Yeah, yeah, Bertans. Yeah, he uh, he didn't play uh, because he's trying to get that contract. Uh, but but anyway, yeah. So so Bud's skinny jeans. But yeah. yeah so I, I saw on Twitter it was either the video or a screenshot of Giannis headbutting him, and everyone's you know focused on the headbutt. But someone goes, "You guys are focused on the wrong thing," and it because it was Bud coming out on the court with those skinny <laughs> jeans, man. And it's just he he looks so ridiculous. I'm like, look, <laughs> I I appreciate that the coaches are now taking advantage of not wearing a suit and tie. I don't mm. think you need to in this bubble, but give me some slacks and a collar. It looks a little too casual. And if you can pull it off, you can pull it off, but but cannot. He cannot. Yeah. Uh, he needs someone in his life. Like it, that's when you have someone in your life send you a text that lets you down easy though. That says like, Hey man, like love the idea. Uh, then, you know, but maybe just, you know, here's what it looks like, you know, like on the TV. Uh, and maybe he's just flaunting it. Like Quinn Snyder's a guy that pulls it off. You know, he can kind of go the short pants and like show a little bit of the ankle with the low cut socks. You know, I'm here for that. He's, he's got the edge to him. Um, Nick Nurse needs to shave the goatee. Uh, I appreciate his like his dedication to it, but I feel like he needs to go full beard or or you know like a, maybe a five o'clock shadow. The goatee's like, um, I mean, maybe you're a big fan of the goatee, but I think it's kind of a tough look for for any guy in 2020. Uh, I feel like I've gotten so used to it now, though, that if it's gone, I'll be like, I'll actually. Bud has some faces. Nick Nurse also has some faces as well. Yeah. Like his eyes just get super bug eyed. And to sort of shoothorn college basketball into this, you mentioned Quint Snyder, very sharp dresser. He is the NBA version of John, uh, not sorry, not John Calipari, uh, Jay Wright. Mm. Both very, very sharp dressers. Uh, but if we get Good back hair. to yeah, great hair, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like Quint Snyder has that hair that's messy, but it's like a calculated messy. Yeah. One strand, it, like like it casually dangles down on his forehead. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like okay, this guy's been coaching in in, in an NBA game. He's stressed. Just right. Make sure everyone we knows did. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, this Bucks Heat series is is going to be a, a good one. I do think the Bucks are going to win. Let me ask you this though: the Bam Adebayo Giannis matchup. I'm assuming maybe maybe Jimmy Butler is going to stick Giannis, but down low, you know how are you how are you seeing how Bam? 
plays uh, in this series because he's been fantastic. Yeah, Bam's like kind of ho- a lot of who I think that I personally hope that Jaron turns out to be with a little bit better of a scorer. But in terms of just kind of like his basketball IQ and awareness, and Jaron's not as good a passer as Bam is. Bam's real. He's like superpower Draymond. You know, he's like more athletic, but like you give him the ball in the high post, like on a, on a roll, and he's either going to the basket and scoring, or he's passing to one of the corners to the guy that's like open directly in the bread basket, um, and. I think that if there is anyone that's going to stick Giannis, which is an impossible job, what you have to do is make Giannis like play a style of basketball he doesn't like to play. You can't let him get downhill, which is again like impossible to do. Um, you want, probably want Giannis to post you up, and you want to post up Giannis. I think you want to like take him out of the perimeter where he's really good laterally, and, and probably try to make him play like a back to the basket type defense. Uh, if I'm the Heat, I'm probably trying to slow that series down, not be running and gunning. Because uh, once they get Giannis, you know, collapsing the paint and then he kicks out to one of their shooters in the Bucks, and then they're just like, it's like an endless cycle. And then you look up and you're down, you know, 20. Um, but I, 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 I would be curious to know if, if Bam can actually stop Giannis. The answer is probably no. Uh, but I think Jimmy stops Middleton. I think Jimmy's really going to frustrate Middleton. That's like one of his things. He's a he's kind of a great A pass, both you know in terms of him him being a talker and his defensive style as well. Um, and I'm like, I've told I'm a big biggest Jimmy Butler fan. I love him for the league. I love like his his persona, like his personality. Um, I love the fact that he tries to get guys on the other team to high five him at the free throw line just to fuck with them. Like, it, it, but yet he's like also a serious competitor. He's like he walks that line of like I'm here to play and win. And you know you know when it's like two minutes, you want no one else but have the ball, but Jimmy Butler. Um, he could be 0 for 10 from three, and then he hits the biggest shot at the end of the game. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm excited to see that series, but it could be kind of a rude awakening. Like, oh yeah, the Bucks are just really fucking good, and uh, and this, you know, and and so we're looking up, and suddenly the Heat are getting their asses kicked. Um, excited for to see the series, though. I mean, I think the the East in this round is fantastic. First round, you know, we had the the Magic and the uh, the Nets, who were uh, pretty frisky. The Nets were pretty frisky this bubble, I thought, uh, missing of course Kevin Durant and Kyrie, but. I mean, I don't know. I, I still think probably you're right, Bucks and Six, but I'm excited to watch that series, and I think we'll learn a lot from those first games. Do you think that the bubble, like the no home court, has had any effect at all, like on the actual outcome here, or do you think like the same teams would have won in the same amount of games, regardless? So I think those. I don't know if those are necessarily exclusive, right? So or inclusive, I should say. I think they win. In this, the same teams win in the same amount of games. Maybe just some of the different uh, wins, right? So, if we think about it, or some of the wins might have come in different games. So, uh, I don't think the Blazers win Game One in LA. They probably win Game Three back in Portland. But sure. gentlemen, sweep is probably what was going to happen regardless. Clippers Mavericks, I think, is uh, in six was a correct call. Uh, that would have happened. But I think. The impact, or the the you know where where the bubble is different from uh, home and away, is the officiating. I really don't think these officials now are being uh, Im- impacted or influenced by the crowd, and so I, I truly think that actually happens. And you got to plan for that in a BAU scenario, so a business as usual scenario. Uh, Giannis and the Bucks probably get a lot more calls in that game one if it's in five serve arena. Uh, so I think in the first round it, it played out as as well as it did. But I, I'm glad you brought that up because I really do think another big issue for the Heat would have been how are they going to contain Giannis? But also Giannis is going to get superstar calls. 
if he was in in Milwaukee, right? Here, I think the officiating has been pretty damn level. Like there's there's no fans or unrest or anything like that that's driving them. And of course, officials will say that that never happens anyway. Sure. But I think we all know that it, that it truly does. So that I think is is the impact. And I actually think your uh, initial question of do you think these would have you know these games would have played out differently? I think we'll actually see that here in the second round. And I might have an answer for you then. So let's say if. <clears throat> Let's say if, uh, I don't know, what's a good example? If the Heat win. Uh, no, actually the Celtics. I think if the Celtics beat the Raptors, I don't think they, they, they can't win in Toronto. They suck in Toronto. Brad Stevens has a terrible record. I think that series probably goes seven. And if you're asking to win a, a game seven in Toronto, uh, I don't know if the Celtics could have done it. So that's another example. But I'm far more confident in the Celtics Raptors, uh, in the Celtics, I should say, on a neutral court. Yeah, and you look at the Sixers too, who were like twenty-three and two or something at home, you know, and that was like the bulk of their wins were at home, and they were well below five hundred on the road. So, like, you look at that team; it truly is a tale of two teams. And then you strip that away. I mean, like, much better uh, example. Yeah, like, and, and I don't know. They were, you know, didn't have a Ben Simmons. That was a rattle, and just uh, Celtics team limping to leave and fire their coach and figure out what the fuck they're going to do. But like, you know, like. I, I'm curious to know how it plays out as it gets further up. I, I still see the guys guys are getting superstar calls still. I think that that is a constant in the league. That's just the way it works. Um, and, and that's the way it's worked for a long time. The technicals, though, man. like These guys are getting like teed up. Uh, and, and refs are teeing up guys for making comments and saying things, I think, because they can now hear the comments that are made on the court is what's been said a lot. And I agree with that. Um, but it, I guess theoretically we should see more evenly and fairly officiated games. You know, it's like it's it's just four games where no no one can sway the refs except for the guys on the court, uh, and you know, there's no one, no fans there to you know affect the human condition or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And you talk about the technicals. I think specifically when you look at the Mavericks Clippers series, I think three guys got ejected in that series. So Porzingis, which was terrible, he should have never been. He might it might have been the result of two technicals. Um, but he should have never gotten that second tech for sure not. Uh, and then Marcus Morris got ejected in game five, game six, sorry. And then someone else got ejected. I could have sworn, but I think they are a little quick with the technicals, uh, especially in that series. So yeah, that's a, it's a good point. And I think the crowd noise, man, when a team's on a run, right. I feel like that can impact, uh, whether or not a foul is called it's just very very pure here uh and you know that's not to say that i like this better than home and away i clearly don't i, I wish we were in a normal format but it, there are definitely some differences and i, I think we're going to see that quite a bit here in the second round yeah it should be interesting to see uh you touched on mavs clips we just ended today the the clips advance in six games exciting series we kind of see luca blossom into a lot of people are calling him Luca Legend. I think you know, following the age-old tradition of comparing white guys to white guys, uh, which you have to do. Um, you have to compare races, and and of course, no, no other better guy than Larry Bird, another kind of six-nine scorer who could do anything on the court, and, and seeing the control, the fate of every game you played in. Um, so, what, what did you think of that series? And and side note, my, my thing on Porzingis is, and what we've been talking about in our group chat and then on the show is that that man's a bitch. Uh, I think like if I'm Luca who rolled the shit out of my ankle in game two and plays on it visibly hobbled, 
Um, and we saw that roll. We saw the aftermath. I mean, that was not just like your, your your regular easy ankle sprain that you ice up and your regular, like it legitimately affected him. And he's like still playing and carrying his guys. Like that stuff matters, I think, uh, when you're young, you know, developing talent. Um, and, and so then KP has knee soreness and, you know, doesn't play. And it, it, of course, we, we see these teams all the time, like release these bullshit. We always joke that the Grizzlies medical Twitter account, like, tweets out some really ominous things uh and it's like we'll never actually reveal the true illness they'll be like if someone has the flu they'll be like someone is exhibiting like runny nose and some slight soreness and it's like just say they had the flu you know like just just be fucking honest um but i i don't know i was really disappointed in kp and i feel like if you're in dallas you got to be mad about that they said he was going to play if the dallas if the Mavs somehow advanced they get past the clippers and then he's suddenly going to play is what rick carlisle was saying it's like dude this is like winter go home, get in the game and play. Like if you if unless you have a legitimate tear in your ACL, MCL, or meniscus, in which case you should be on a plane back home to get surgery, what are you like what are you doing? Yeah, I'm always a little apprehensive to call out players because you're right. We don't ever know the severity of these injuries. But if if we're supposed to form these opinions based on what they're providing us, then yeah, man, knee soreness. Is I'm going to take you at face value. Sure. If you're telling me that it's it's knee soreness. That's not going to fly in some of these elimination games, man. You got to suit up. You got to play. No one's asking you to drop 40 plus and hit a game winner like Luca did. But Luca's out here like battling on a bum ankle. By the way, uh, after he rolled his ankle, how about none of the Mavericks players like going to help him and and limp him back? He's just hobbling on one foot by himself. Like guys, this is a top five player in the league right now. He yeah, is maybe help franchise. Him out. <laughs> Fucking help him out, guys. Like, yeah, we Trey, see this. Trey Burke is just, he's like, dude, you're lucky to have this contract. <laughs> maybe help yeah. play out a little bit. <laughs> like, like what's, what the hell is happening? Like, Dwight Powell, what the hell are you doing, man? Go <laughs> go help him back to the locker room. Yeah. So I was a little, a little surprised by that. But, man, Luca, I think uh, instead of focusing so much on KP, which, I mean, it's, it's a fair, I'd be upset if I was a Mavericks fan because that series was there. That series was definitely there for the taking at, at one point. But once he got out, way too much to overcome. Clippers are just a better team. But man, Luka Doncic, I'm so excited to see how the, how this kid's career unfolds. I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself by saying multiple MVPs because, uh, you know, that's it's a fool's game to play. He's going to get one, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is. He's already got rookie of the year under his belt. Could honestly say he might be most improved this year, but yeah. I don't know if that should count uh, just because he's so damn good. And I think also Luca needs to take a little solace. I'm not going to tell him how to react. I'd be pissed if Marcus Morris was gunning for me the entire time, right? The entire series, but he should take solace in the fact that this doesn't happen to nobody's. It doesn't even happen to really good players. Like Jimmy Butler's not getting this treatment. It only happens to the select few great, great players. And I think Luca, like, Donovan Mitchell, we're watching him right now. He's a very, very good player. Jamal Murray coming into his own. These guys are not getting the Luka treatment. <laughs> um, Jamal Murray, by the way, little ball fro is his nickname, which we've deemed. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, little ball fro. A lot of a lot of uh, trademarking going on this episode. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what we do. Uh, we have like quite, a, quite a legal team and armada really at the barn burner, and uh, we can get that locked up uh, right after the podcast. I like um, that. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 he is he is really good. He is a guy that I, I can't imagine. I mean, knocking on wood with every bit of my might. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to be injured a lot because he just doesn't play that style of basketball. 
Um, and the hardened comps have started to flow again. And, and I, I've always kind of thought that, um, not to be like Rusilla and Bill, I've been saying that since like, since, you know, 2003. Uh, but like, I feel like it, it's, it's not only in the fact that, uh, he kind of gets to wherever he wants, but like, uh, did you ever hear that, uh, that this is a classic, like bullshit Twitter. I don't know if this is true, but I saw this tweet one time. Uh, it was like a sports science type thing about Harden's elite athletic skill. Do you, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I have not. No. Tell so, me about so, it. So Harden is not a, we know he is not a like stud athlete. I mean, he can, he can get up and dunk every now and then. Like he's, uh, he, he's, he's, an, he's probably above average athletic for the league um, to do what he does, but he's not like, like Donovan Mitchell, for example. Um, so, but his elite skill, which apparently puts him in some kind of crazy percent high percentile is that he can slow down like so quickly. He can decelerate quicker than anyone else can in the league. And that, that, and if you watch him and Luke is the same way, which is what made me think about this is that when they get into the paint, like suddenly they just kind of stop and then their defender flies past them. And that usually leaves their defender kind of flailing is when that's when the fouls happen with Harden and Luca now. And then Luca, that's why you always see Luca get to his spot under the basket. And suddenly he's just kind of tossing up like a really easy floater. And you're like, wait a minute, like he's not fast. Uh, he didn't push the guy off. Like, how come this is happening? Uh, and it's, it's because he slows down. And the other guys, like, you know, in defensive stance backwards, like backpedaling, usually falling out of bounds, off balance. So that was like an interesting bullshit Twitter thing. But um, as far as I know, you know, I'm going to take that for fact and move on. Those guys know how to control the pace of their own game, not just, <clears throat> excuse me, not just the tempo of the entire game, but when they have the ball, like even his, even his step back threes from the couch, it looks like. For, for me, I'm like, how the hell do you not close out on that and just get a hand in his face? But Luca, I mean, he he's just so methodical. And same with James Harden. I think it's, I mean, James Harden's arguably the greatest scorer, uh, one of the greatest scorers the league has ever seen. So I'm going to hold off on that comparison. But Luca is very all around. I mean, that man is getting rebounds, dishing the ball. Uh, Mavericks obviously found a a fantastic pick in, in Luca. Did you see what um, Cuban said? He was asked. Yeah, he would like divorce his wife and, and uh, yeah. weirdo, dude. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like that was really unnecessary. Just hit a drive by so on your weird. wife. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, no, the only I, way that's acceptable is if the announcer or the interviewer asked him, "Hey, would you rather keep Luca or divorce your wife?" Like, it has to be that direct of a question for you to answer like that. Uh, otherwise, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you answering? He's always that. been like kind yeah. of a big hardo. Like, I drink yeah. with the players. Like me and Chandler Parsons are going out and like you know, getting blackout on Red Bull vodkas and like, you know, I'm trying to catch some runoff of Chandler Parsons game and that's, that, you know, whatever. Are they like Cubans, Cuban. Chandler Parsons, man, that's your boy. Oh yeah. 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 High on the boy list for sure. Okay. That, that guy, what a thief. What an absolute thief. Chandler yeah, just Parsons rode off into the night. Yeah. I don't but, blame uh, him. I wish he had just put all the money we gave him in a giant fucking burlap sack and it just like, <laughs> legitimately like ridden off into the night. At least that would have made me feel better, like the theatricality of it. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, do you talk about I, I was listening to you. I forget if if I was on or this was before you were talking about Tobias Harris's contract. Chandler, Chandler Parsons was he, he Chandler Parsons walked so Harris could run. I mean, at least, at <laughs> yeah, least yeah, Harris, Harris is like at least Harris is pretty healthy and you know productive. I didn't see anything from Chandler, but <laughs> also also to your point about that sports science Twitter thing you were talking about. If those guys know how to decelerate Harden and Luca. I just want to know the average speed of play for uh, Kyle Anderson. It is yeah. like, obviously everyone knows his name. Nickname is slow-mo, but he is so slow. It is crazy. 
Yeah, same kind of thing. Uh, he's just less effective uh, because he's ne- he's never able to get there to begin with. He's never able to like go fast enough to begin. It's always slow from the get go. It's never like so he doesn't really decelerate as much as he does. Kind of just continue to be slow. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird. He has such a goofy game. Man. It, it is not a good fit for the Grizzlies. Uh, with John Jaron, the way, the way we want to play. And we just, we need basically just three point shooters. I mean, I know everybody needs that, but really just need, we need kind of all the Mavericks. We need those guys. We need like the Finney Smiths and uh, maybe like a, a more consistent Tim Hardaway. Uh, but but I think Kyle Anderson, man, if he finds his way to the right team and they could have uh, be the point guard for the second unit, uh, he can really be effective. But, you know, yeah. I, I, we'll see. And I don't want to derail uh, this conversation anymore that I probably already have because I know you got an agenda that you want to get to. But the Grizzlies, and I texted you guys this, the Grizzlies give me some serious OKC Thunder circa 2009 uh, vibes. They will learn how to win. And every ascension, right, from the lottery, you don't go from the lottery to the number number one seed in the West. I feel like you have to take your bumps. Jaws first year amidst all of this shit happening, right? A pandemic, suspended season. Jaws' first year gets them to an eight seed, and they played the Blazers pretty damn competitively. They that Them, you know, him, uh, Jaron, and who, who are the guys that were out for you guys? Uh, we had uh, Justice Winslow. Jaren was out, sorry. Justice, yeah, Jaron was yeah. out. Justice Winslow, who's going to be our starting three, came over in the Heat deal. Um, we traded Iggy and uh, and then also um, Tyus Jones was our uh, starting Tyus point guard on the second unit. So the reason we won more games this year, and I don't expect anyone knows if you hadn't watched us because you can't watch us. I get it. Is that our bench was really fucking good. Um, if uh, John Jaron were really good for as young as they are, uh, but our bench unit came in and just demolished every other bench unit. I think we were like a top five bench in the league, uh, mostly run by Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark, our uh, also first team all rookie uh, from Gonzaga was on that second unit and they just kind of came in and created havoc and they were really good. But as long as Tyus Jones is able to run the second unit, when he went out, we had no second unit because he orchestrated the whole second unit. So that was like one of those weird, like, Oh, Tyus Jones, he's not that good. And it's true. If you look at his numbers, you know, he's like a, a nine and four guy. Uh, but like, he was just instrumental to what we did. And he just like, it was like house of cards scenario. I mean, when you're a young team, if one thing happens like that, it's like, you know, it puts like a Lego set just unshambles down on the bottom. Uh, but but I appreciate that. Yeah, we, we certainly hope that's the case and hope that we can uh, replicate that success. We have to build in the draft since you know we're not going to attract any big time free agents. And I know the Celtics kind of you're in the same boat. Like usually the Celtics don't attract big time free agents. You usually have to trade and get your guys or build to the draft like you did. Uh, so, you know, well, we'll see. We hope that guys are going to want to come play with John Jaron. I just think this exposure is crucial for how you guys go forward. Right. So you were in a playoff atmosphere. That's that's huge. I mean, losing teams, perennial losing teams like the Kings, who have the longest playoff drought ever, <laughs> right now at least in the league, they just don't get exposed to that. Like I know what John Morant can do in a playoff setting. I love De'Aaron Fox, but I don't know what he can do. I like I like Harry Giles. I don't know what he can do. I'm not trying to pick on the Kings, but these games and these lumps that you take, especially when Jaw and 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 Jaron, your cornerstone, the two cornerstones of your franchise are so young, like rip the bandaid off early in their career, get them going. Uh, so I, I truly do think that you guys are going to ascend and start competing for, you know, Western conference finals appearances. You, you guys have already been to one recently lost to the warriors, I think, uh, but Spurs, you know, I, Spurs excuse me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very excited for this, for this franchise and for you guys. And uh, you know, they're, 
they're they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, well, we, we appreciate that. Hope hope it continues, and and uh, yeah, we're excited to see where we go. West is tough though, man. Like the Mavs are going to be really good. I mean, here we are, the Grizzlies. We're watching the Mavs, and we're thinking that's who we have to beat to get anywhere uh, for the next ten years. We got to beat Luka Doncic, and I think that's kind of daunting, right? When you he's like theoretically the gatekeeper, much as LeBron was in the East for all those years, uh, I think. And then the Jazz, you got a young Donovan Mitchell who's there, and you know Jamal Murray's really good. Uh, each team, I mean, you've got the Pelicans who are the league darlings who are going to be good at some point they are like they just they have the talent they, they uh, maybe i guess everyone thought they were going to be really good this year and they weren't but um if zion could stay healthy like they're going to be good he's nasty uh so it's gonna be tough to win our division is actually the uh the the spurs the mavs the pelicans and the rockets is the grizzlies division so those are teams we play three to four times every year uh so our our, our uh schedule is actually really hard usually yeah no you you're absolutely right. I think there are some teams in the West, though, that have a right now type of window where they have to win. Next couple of years, Rockets window is closing. It is like they've they've been there the past couple of years. Lakers window, who knows how effective? I mean, we say this all the time. LeBron's a freak, but who knows how effective he's going to be two, three years from now? These guys got to win now. Grizzlies, Mavericks. Uh, Pelicans, these are teams that, you know, right now you're playing with house money. In five, six years, you're going to be contenders. Like that, you have a, a, a very wide open window. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I think what the, what the Grizz have, and from what I've seen at least, is a, a superstar in the making, John Morant, a very, very, like a, a really, really good player in Jaron Jackson. And then also a great supporting cast. I think Brandon Clark was a steal. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is, is a good veteran presence. And then your second unit, like you had mentioned. So, I mean, I just don't know if those other teams have that type. Like, I, when I think of Jaron, Ja, Brandon Clark getting even more exposure and getting better, I, I mean, obviously, Luke is amazing, but who else on the Mavericks might might be contributing to them getting a lot better, right? Who, like I, I had mentioned, the Rockets, they're in win-now mode. So in a five years, who knows where, where they're going to be? Pelicans. I mean, who is going to be great alongside Zion? Jaw has those two other guys. Yeah, it, yeah, that's a that's a good point, and uh, we'll see what happens. Let's let's get to the West real quick. Um, so we've got the Lakers toppled the the Trailblazers, which we kind of mentioned. Trailblazers. Uh, Dame Lillard got hurt. Um, didn't play game five, a closeout game. Dame and CJ. They were just tired, man. They had they played literally like. 12 to 13 games of playoff basketball. Every game was a playoff game for them. Uh, so I feel like they just got tired. And um, <laughs> it was cool to see Melo, I guess, get some run and get some love again. But I, I just don't like that Blazers team. That's That'd be a tough team to be a fan of. It's Dame's great. He's fun. But, like, where are you really going with that team? You know, like, I, I, I just can't imagine. And they made the Western Conference Finals last year, which is honestly kind of crazy when you think about that. And I think things kind of broke their way. But, like, I just, I just don't – you know, Dame's 30 – or 31 um he's owed like uh, like 180 million dollars on his contract um in his year 34 season he makes 50 54 million dollars a year uh which is insane <laughs> like uh so he's there for the long haul and i mean that that means they're not going to be able to bring anyone else uh so I, i'm curious to see what they end up doing with cj if they end up breaking up that tandem um but any thoughts on the blazers or lakers the blazers need to develop a defensive identity they're god-awful defensively. I mean, they have all the talent on the offensive end, but their defense is just laughably bad, man. And mm-hmm. so that's that's what's prohibiting them. It's not like 
look, a lot of a lot of people did say, hey, they might be the most dangerous eight seed, especially after that game one win. And yeah, I mean, they weren't healthy all year. Damian Lillard's a superstar, but you weren't like they have that record for for a reason. I forget who it was. He said, "You are what your record says you are." So I'm just I, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't know the future of this franchise because you said, like you said, CJ and Dame aren't necessarily young youngsters. Neither is Nurk, uh, and then Zach Collins typically is hurt a lot. I just I don't know uh, where where they're going to go from here, and I feel I feel bad for Blazers fans because it just seems like they always get their hearts ripped out by the Lakers or even the Warriors. Like they just seem kind of like a cursed fan base. Like they they're not yet at that upper echelon level of like a Lakers or a Warriors franchise, and so uh, it, Dame bless him. Uh, I think he's there for the long haul, like you said. Like he doesn't want to leave. I think he really wants to build something great. Maybe just get one <laughs> finals appearance, and I think he'd be pretty validated he's, if he if he isn't already. But you're right. This this Blazers team, man, they seem to be like a team meddling around. Like they'll make the playoffs, but what what are they really going to do? And they made, like you said, they made the Western Conference Finals last year and got swept. So. Yeah, um, Lakers are going to be playing the winner of Rockets um, OKC, which has been kind of a frisky series. And uh, what, what do you think about Rockets OKC? Are you buying into the D'Antoni? The, do you like do you like the Rockets? Because I feel like you're either seems like people are either like, yeah, I'm kind of into this. Or they're like, dude, fuck this. This is an abomination. I like the Rockets. I think I like them especially because I kind of tired. I got tired of the Golden State run, <laughs> and I, I really truly felt bad for Houston. And I think. Had they had a healthy CP3 in Game 7, they win that series. But uh, Rockets, Thunder, man, they, th- Rockets are a little they're a little too lax- lackadaisical for my like. Man, they, they need to be taking care of this Thunder team. Thunder are decent, but if the Rocket, I think this is their best chance at getting to a title. They don't have to worry about playing on the road. Um, and, I mean, they're the epitome of live by the three, die by the three. They died up, up by it the other night. Um but I've said this all along, Sam, and it's not really going out on a limb because they're the number one seed. The Lakers are the best team in the West. I never really bought into the Clippers being the best team. They're really good. But when when the Lakers are locked in, two top five players, and by the way, what the hell's PG doing, Paul George? I mean, I know he he was he he had mentioned a little bit about uh, being in a dark place, but if we go strictly on his play, he's he's not playing up to snuff. But the Lakers, man, I think are the best team in the West. And if Anthony Davis is going to drop 30 to 40 points, I don't know who's beating them. Yeah, especially because it's hard to match up with Anthony Davis. Like, no one tees him up. Like, he's kind of like the Giannis of the West in terms of effectiveness and just kind of mismatch, walking mismatch. Um, yeah, like the Lakers are – the problem is they don't have that Avery Bradley. They don't have Rondo. Uh, maybe they get those guys back. Maybe LeBron gets on the bat phone and tells Avery to, like, get the fuck down to Orlando, uh, that it's actually safe and he's good. Because uh, they're going to need him, I think. Uh, less with the, um, I think less with the uh, eventual uh, Rockets or uh, probably Rockets, uh, or maybe I guess less with the Clippers because the Clippers don't really have like some sort of do it all point guard, um, and maybe they need a point guard stopper to guard James Harden. Uh, but you know, I, I think you know they're, they're somehow winning with Caruso. Kuz has kind of stepped up, become their third best player. Uh, but when your best players are LeBron and AD, it's like. You know, that you're going to go far um, if your other guys can play like reasonably well. 
Uh, so I expect to see the Western Conference Finals, the Clippers, Lakers, and that's kind of what we've all been waiting for is that battle of L.A. Yep, I agree. I will say, though, a dark horse team that I think could – I don't know if they're necessarily a dark horse team, uh, but I could see the Rockets beating the Lakers. In my opinion, they're the only team that I think could actually – that I can see beating the Lakers. Yeah, the the – the math of that like the if you shoot that many threes like you either lose horribly or you like you know or you just blow people out and that's just the way it goes and i mean yeah like it, it's just a this is but i like how they're finally fucking steering fully into it like just they're like we don't need a big man we're just gonna like play robert covington at the five or pj tucker like shoot collector extraordinaire and we're just gonna like play this style of ball we're gonna have westbrook running around screens and crashing the boards like a maniac like he does uh who's gonna be working his way back from that thigh injury um but you know we'll see i i I think it should be interesting um and i would be excited if that game went to seven i mean that game seven would i think the lakers are probably shitting their pants and the Raptors and the rockets i they just know who they are they just they just jack up threes if they go in cool if they don't that was what they're supposed to do and so I don't think anyone feels bad. I think everyone's really willing and able to play the kind of rec style ball. Like they're like playing at the fucking lifestyle fitness, you know, or lifetime fitness. Like they're just running up and down, like Jack and threes. No one's going to be like bad shot, man. Like I think it's really freed up Jeff green to become like play loose, you know, it's freed up Ben Mclemore, two guys that we had on the Grizzlies. Uh, and that just like, I mean, I, I thought were garbage uh, because we expected them to run plays, but they're playing pickup, man. They're just hooping and they're effective now. Yeah, in your two points about the Rockets. One, you're absolutely right that they are such a polarizing team. You either hate them or you love them. Uh, and even their players, right? James Harden, you either hate James Harden. I've or you always love liked Harden, man. I do too. I, I, I like him. I like the Rockets and I do like Harden. Yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, no you, please. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I liked him since he left OKC. I was like, I can't believe they traded him. Um, and a lot of people thought that Kevin Martin was just as good. And, like, shout out Mason, who sent me a text. And I've got receipts on that. I think I screenshotted a tweet where he messaged me and said, uh, Kevin Martin's just as good as Harden. And I was like, dude, Harden's nasty. And I just had a sense about him. I didn't ex- – honestly, I, I would be lying if I said I expected him to be, like, a fucking constant MVP candidate. Uh, and But, I mean, he – I just – I mean, a lot of people hate his game. But to me, he's just, like, really good at what he does. And I always respect guys that are really good at their job, uh, even if it's, like – and people say he's boring to watch, dude. Like, those step-back threes are, like – fucking electric i mean when he's like tote putting a guy in the the you can see him putting someone in the oven on the perimeter like he's starting to dribble between his legs and you can see he's about to do some shit like it's fantastic theater one of the realest tweets i've ever seen was someone saying nba twitter doesn't actually like the nba like <laughs> it's it's nba twitter people just being like oh hard drawing all these fouls I'm like there's art in that there's beauty in that They're, like that's that's effective basketball you cannot say that He's he's literally one of the he's the best scorer in the NBA today, but like I, it just resonated with me. Like how do you how do you hate this team? Isn't it? I love watching this team. I mean, unless you're a Warriors fan, you've developed a rivalry there. But they just jack up all these threes. So that's one thing. Also, did you know PJ Tucker has haters too? I don't. I love PJ Tucker. I could see that. I, I could see. Uh, I could see like people not hate like hating on his his kind of shtick. You know, like his tough guy like. He's got prison tat level stuff going on. You know, he's got like the angel wings on the back of his neck. He's got the shaved head and it's clear he has hair. He just like purposely shaves it, you know, where you get the head five o'clock shadow. And that's like an intimidating look. Like when you purposely shave your head, like that's like, that's some, that's some shit. Uh, Like what do people hate on him for? Just being like a tough guy or like a. It's not even that it's more so. I think it's because of all the shoes that he collects and people are like, yeah, he has all these pairs of shoes and scores like five points a game. Like, 
PJ Tucker is not their offensive weapon. He's their defensive stalwart. But I, I mean, I don't know. I just thought PJ Tucker is a pretty innocuous person. But the Rockets are pretty well hated across the league. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. And I think Harden is just a. I think Harden could give a shit less about really any of the guys in the league. I really think he views it like his job, like maybe more so than some of these other guys, like LeBron and Chris Paul and these buddy buddy guys that are like, oh, we got to go out to dinner as a team and do team building exercises. And you hear all the guys talk about Harden, like, oh, he didn't know my kid's name, or he, like, Chris Paul said he wouldn't wish his kid a happy birthday or something. And then he's like, Shay would. And then Shay, like, got on his Instagram and said, like, happy birthday, little Chris or whatever. And it's like, dude, like, who cares? Like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't care if Harden's your boy or he's not your boy. Y'all played well together. And, like, I, I could give a shit less, like, if your friend's off the court. Uh, I, I think he's like a Harden is a, any, anytime he talks after games, too, when he does like a post game interview, I'm always like, He's always like very astute and pretty good, at, like in the public eye. Like you wouldn't think you'd think he'd be more kawaii like, but he is like he's 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 good at talking about the game and what happened. And um, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I, the Harden thing's weird to me. I really don't know what the whole like. How is he different than LeBron? Like all LeBron does is draw fouls and pat and pass the ball to shooters. Like I, you know, in terms of play style, it's like I, mean, I guess LeBron used to like you know dunk on people, but he hasn't really in the four years. It's it, it is an interesting argument. I I'm with you on that, man. Like I don't I don't know. And I think going to your point about how he addresses the media, what he's like in the public eye. I feel like at at some point when you're a superstar like James Harden is, you just gotta come to grips with who you are, right? And and you just gotta know. By the way, Jamal Murray is going fucking off right now. Um, what are we at? What are we at the score right now? One seventeen, one oh seven. Sorry, I'm like a little. No, no, yeah, I should. I'm gonna watch catch scatterbrand. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, James Harden at some point, I think he just made a decision. Look, I'm gonna get slandered by a good group of people, no matter what I do. And much like the Rockets' offensive philosophy, which is this is who we are. Let's just jack up threes. James Harden is like, this is who I am, man. Like, take it or leave it. I've I've had an incredible run of success here personally in the NBA. Team wise, maybe not so much, but you know. People forget he's played in an NBA Finals before. He's he's gone to a Western Conference Finals. He it's it's tough to say. It's he he gets labeled as like not a winner. Um, I just think he's run into some. He's run into LeBron and the Heat and the fucking Warriors. Those are two all time team teams. Probably the two best teams of the two thousands. So I'm with you on on Harden there. Uh, any other NBA takes before we sign off? I got nothing, man. Um, I wanted to say thank you. I appreciate you calling out amongst the other uh, two in Cliff Robinson and also uh, Chadwick Boson. Thank you, though, for acknowledging Lute Olson as well. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for thank you for acknowledging that. Very sad, very sad week. Um, but as you had mentioned, power of positive thinking. Mm. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, you, when are the next Titch episodes coming out? I know theater and college hoops, the guys are counting down the uh, all-time 50 greatest college basketball programs based on history to present. Uh, so what, when's the next episode dropping? And you can talk a little bit about that if you want. Yeah, so we uh, we plan to record here probably this week or maybe after Labor Day. So be on the lookout for that. We are at uh, the number 10 team. We've, we've gone all the way – gotten all the way now to our top 10 team what an odyssey uh, <laughs> yeah it's been it's been quite a journey man filled yeah. with a lot of deliberation and 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 arguments but 
I can't believe it, dude. Like when we launched this idea right at the beginning of COVID, we said, okay, let's just get through the off season and then we'll have, uh, we'll have a season to talk about. And I'm, I mean, I think we will still have a season, but PAC 12 is done until next year. So a lot of uncertainty. I'm sure we've heard this a million times. These are unprecedented times. Fucking, I want to get back to precedented times for the love of God. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, listen, uh, listen to theater and college hoop here in the next week or two. All right, Suvi, my man. Thanks for coming on. Have a good week, brother. Thank you.